This week on Texas Scorecard Radio, in the news, we do a roundup of stories of legislators and grassroots starting to call out and push back against the governor over lack of leadership. In our interview, we talked with one Central Texas activist who's willing to step up and defend his community uh, against these violent riots. And Jacob Asmussen closes us out with a commentary on why you really need to be paying attention to your local school board. Welcome back to this week's episode of Texas Scorecard Radio. I, of course, am your host, Tony McDonald. Follow me on social media at TweetTonyMac or find us on the web at www.texasscorecard.com. Wanted to get started with this week's top news. I've got Brandon Walton's managing editor for Texas Scorecard and Carrie Cheshire, vice president for Texans for Fiscal Responsibility, to do a little bit of a, a roundup uh, of some, some news and a, and a certain theme, I guess. Uh, but before we get going, if any listeners are running for or thinking about running for the state Republican Executive Committee, Carrie, uh, you have some important information for them. Uh, well, that's right, Tony. Uh, I did think that we were going to start off this podcast with eight minutes and 46 seconds of silence, but I guess you're not as woke as most other uh, podcasters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not doing my part for uh, virtue signaling. Yeah, well, uh, well, as you mentioned, the uh, SREC and RPT questionnaires are up online at texasscorecard.com. As a reminder, Texans for Fiscal Responsibility does not endorse in party races, uh, but we do enjoy informing our subscribers, uh, local grassroots activists all across the state, many of whom will be delegates to the state convention about the candidates running. So if you are running, please check out our website and take a look at the questions uh, for which you can submit answers back to us and we will publish them unedited. Uh, alongside that of any opponent that you might have. Think of it as a, a very powerful tool to get your name and message out there to delegates and those people are your voters. Yeah, a very, very good tool. All right, with that out of the way, I wanted to get that announcement out there just so if people are listening, you're going, hey, I'm thinking about running for this or you see uh, very important uh, information. Uh, but want to talk this week uh, and wrap up a, a number of stories that we've had up at texasscorecard.com, a common theme legislators in Austin pushing back against the governor in various ways um, over his failures of leadership. Uh, Brandon, maybe get us get us going. Bob Hall, maybe first out of the gate. Yeah. So to sort of sort of set the stage here, you know, uh, a few weeks back, you had uh, Texas, <laughs> you know, under Greg Abbott and the Department of State Health Services, signed this nearly $300 million contract with a New York-based uh, tech group in order to implement contact tracing in an attempt to stop the spread of the Chinese coronavirus. Now, a lot of folks, I think, didn't really know much about uh, contact tracing about you know a few months ago. Uh, now you see it everywhere. Essentially, the idea is, is that uh, they're going to bring in these thousands of, of uh, call center employees who are supposed to call folks and uh, uh, see, you know, if they've been, if they've contracted the coronavirus, then they're going to find out who they were in contact with so that they can be quarantined or tested. Uh, a lot of questions, a lot of criticism from uh, not just Texas grassroots at this point, but the big interesting story I think this week is now you're starting to see that seep in into uh, the state capitol, so to speak, as you've got a number of state lawmakers speaking out. I think the, the first one we really saw go out there was State Senator Bob Hall, who wrote a pretty scathing letter to Governor Abbott about the uh, coronavirus and the contact tracing situation. 
Yeah, yeah. And it, there's obviously privacy concerns on this issue. You know, I mean, contact tracing is basically tracking, you know, people and their interactions, uh, something that you don't necessarily trust government with. But then there's bigger concerns, you know, or maybe not bigger concerns, but concerns beyond that, where you look at this and you say, well, how did these people end up with this $300 million contract on the fly? It's kind of weird, shady, think they're going to buy the Dallas Cowboys people. Yes, ex- exactly. I mean, you've got just a, a, an interesting cast of characters behind this company, a company that, again, is called MTX Group. It's a New York based company. I think a lot of folks uh, probably had not heard of it uh, until uh, maybe they saw reports about this contract. So uh, you've got uh, State Senator Bob Hall out there saying, look, uh, now is the time, uh, Governor Abbott, for you to uh, to end this deal. You might permanently stain your legacy. In fact, he actually made a very interesting comparison to uh to former Governor Rick Perry and his uh, his vaccine mandate that uh, received a lot of criticism from conservatives, he says this would make that pale in comparison. Yeah, the Gardasil mandate. I mean, that was like yes. the huge issue against Perry when he was running for president. I mean, at every debate stage, he was getting hammered on that. It was obviously, you know, it was a moral error, but it was, you know, a political error even more so. Uh, Kerry, you're also seeing some 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 pushback from other legislators, a uh, couple legislators uh, stepping out, calling for a special session, writing letters, just generally about the scope of the governor's, um, you know, policies and leadership, just what he's doing in a general sense. Well, that's right, Tony. Kind of when all these kind of spring of crises began, you saw a lot of people kind of move in lockstep. Uh, in terms of elected officials moving lockstep behind the governor. Uh, But now there's serious fractures in that coalition. I mean, you saw uh, Senator Bob Hall come out with his letter, um, you know, kind of uh, against contact tracing. Uh, You had Tony Tinderholt come out with a letter uh, asking for Abbott to make an about face on a lot of these closures. Uh, Then you very quickly had the Freedom Caucus actually come out uh, and do kind of their first big action in a while, which was to demand that Abbott revoked the $295 million contact tracing contract. Uh, you, you have also seen a number of other uh, lawmakers make statements, um, kind of uh, allude to the fact that they do not necessarily approve with certain actions the governor has taken. But it's taken a while for there to kind of real opposition to materialize, and it's starting to. Yeah, you see uh, State Rep. Mike Lang actually calling for a special session, which is really if you look at the state constitution, when you have a, a, a crisis of this sort, that's what our constitution envisions will happen is that the legislators will be called in and, and they'll decide what tools the governor needs, not, you know, the governor unilaterally deciding. Well, that's right, Tony. You know, we've kind of made the point here at, at Texas Scorecard that the fact is the people of Texas elected a strike force to solve their problems. And it's called the Texas legislature. <laughs> there are 150 members of the House and 31 members of the Senate that Governor Abbott's supposed to get there okay uh, before he goes and does something. I think we've seen problems with our with our government, and our structure, with things like the Texas Disaster Act and Governor Abbott deciding that he can unilaterally suspend laws or create new ones uh, laid bare by this crisis. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, you guys are very in tune with the grassroots, you know, on conference calls and going out and about, maybe not out and about as much because of all the restrictions, um, but but talking to people. Uh, this is not, you know, I, uh, legislators are always reflective of uh, 
growing things that are going on in the grassroots. When you see them do something good, it's almost certainly a, a delayed reaction <laughs> to reactions that are happening more on the ground. Uh, but you're seeing the same thing amongst the grassroots, so a lot of discontent and a lot of calls for, um, as, as Tinderholt put it, an about face. Yeah, Tony. Yeah, special session. A, a number of uh, a number of remedies there, but but I think that you po- you touch on a very interesting part here, which is that we have seen grassroots uh, conservatives, Texans, uh, rise up and, and demand Governor Abbott take several different actions. Be it reopening businesses a few months ago, be it property tax reform, uh, you know, a year ago, or property tax relief. Now, I mean, calling on Governor Abbott to take action. And yet this seems really, really different uh, specifically with this issue, because I don't think we've seen the buy-in from legislators, uh, especially this fast. Yeah, yeah. Carrie, you're, you're seeing the same thing. Yeah, and I think it speaks to a widespread frustration that a lot of regular everyday Texans have, that you know they elected a Republican legislature, Republican statewide leaders who promised to keep government small, cut their taxes, uh, and pretty much stay out of their lives. And instead, you've seen uh, basically the formation of a police state. And then you've had the, the basic order break down in many of our, our urban wars with these riots to where you have literally you have a woman who was jailed and kept in jail for a number of days for <clears throat> opening her hair salon. And then in Houston, people are arrested for having violent riots and they're back on the streets the very next day. I mean, it, it's a pretty wild state of affairs in Texas right now. Yeah. And I think people see that and they say, look, you know, where's the governor? <laughs> where's our, where's our, our, our leadership in Austin that's supposed to be dealing with these things. Uh, not surprising that you're seeing that uh, discontent. Thank you guys for, uh, for all your reporting and, and staying in tune on these things. Thank you. Texas scorecard radio is a project of empower Texans. At texasscorecard.com or empowertexans.com, you can find more news and daily updates from all around the Lone Star State. You can also find updates from Empower Texans and Texas Scorecard on Facebook and Twitter and follow Empower Texans on Instagram. Texas Scorecard's News Digest goes out weekly via email with occasional updates throughout the week. Subscribe online and find more information at empowertexans.com. Someone's always keeping score. We think it ought to be the taxpayers. Well, as I was watching all these riots taking place over the weekend, I was uh, cruising through Facebook looking at uh, photos and reactions, and I saw a post uh, by an activist that I knew, T.J. Scott, uh, involved here in Central Texas uh, as a Republican activist, the Republican Party as a conservative activist, uh, just a quintessential member of the conservative grassroots, and had a great story to tell, and I wanted to uh, bring him on to share it with us. So, T.J., thank you for, uh, for joining us on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Tony. I appreciate it. So, TJ, let's set the tone. I mean, I've known you for a number of years. Uh, Folks here in Central Texas, if you're involved in Republican politics uh, in Travis County, uh, you definitely know TJ Scott. But uh, folks across the state maybe don't. Just kind of set the tone. You've been really involved in Republican politics, platform committee, um, grassroots politics. Just tell folks a couple of things you've done so they have a picture of kind of who you are. Well, I've like you say, I, I, uh, for about 15 years, I was a precinct chairman here in Travis County. I was on the platform committee two times. Uh, the, the first time is when we had the big fight over the Texas solution and we lost 
and, and, and we lost the first, we lost that first year, but because we didn't know it was coming. But the second year we were full ready for bear and we, and we beat that back the second time I was on the platform committee. This was kind of um, a soft amnesty kind of plea thing. In the yeah, it was, for years it, back. that's exactly what it was. It, it, it was amnesty, uh, for, for people that were here illegally. And, uh, I'm, I'm totally, I'm all for legal immigration. Uh, but I, I think that all of the illegal, all, everybody here illegally should be deported and should go home. That's and right. They should That's get right. it, get in line and, and get in line and come back, come back legally. And I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. But so that was, that, that's what I was on the platform committee. Um, I was also the president of the Central Texas Republican Assembly for about 10 years. I took that over when James Dickey left the, as, as president to become the Travis County, county chairman of the Republican Party. Yeah, so I, was, I mean, you've, I was you've, active been, there. you've been actively involved in these things. So I saw your post uh, uh, over the weekend. Uh, and, and I want you to just tell this story. Um, obviously, we've got these riots going on in Austin and across the nation. Uh, and so you're looking at your TV screen, looking at the computer, seeing what's happening. And what do you decide to do? Well, Saturday, I was I was clicking around and I and I'm retired. And I just said I was just sitting in my backyard looking through my Facebook and I saw these posts from something called the. Uh, Texas Freedom Force, and they were standing down in front of the cenotaph, protecting the cenotaph and the Alamo from these line of rioters. Yeah, and, and, very, and very, very serious rioting in San Antonio. Looking at some of the pictures, I mean, windows smashed, buildings looted. I mean, in and in and around that area, right where the Alamo is, is at. Right, and and I and I was like, you know, maybe I maybe I should go down there and help. And I mean, but it's a, it's a hundred miles from my house to the Alamo. And I was like, do I really want to drive all the way down there? And, and so I, I didn't, but then I felt bad because I mean, i every time I see this stuff on TV, I think somebody needs to do something. Somebody needs to do something. Why isn't anybody doing anything? And I thought to myself, well, what about you? Why aren't you doing anything? And then I'm going through some more Facebook posts and some, see some pictures and I see pictures of, of people spray painting the doors at the Capitol and tearing down the old light thing, the light poles at the Capitol. I'm going, oh my God, that's right here in Austin. Okay. And this I is, think, this what is about literally that? in your backyard. You know, this is your neck. Right. right. I mean, I'm exactly 10 miles from the Capitol at my house. And I'm like, ah. so I, what about, what about the, the 10th, the 10th, uh, 10 commandments, 10 commandments. Uh, memorial. I'm going. That the last thing in the world I want to see is F12 sprayed, paint, spray painted on on the Ten Commandments memorial. I mean, that's the one that Greg Abbott went went to the Supreme Court and fought to keep the Ten Commandments on monument up in 2005. And I'm like. I'm, yeah, you know, an, ar gonna... an, an army of lawyers couldn't get this thing taken down, but you know, an army of of crazed protesters could absolutely bust this thing up uh, right there in the so Capitol grounds. Right. So I said to myself, and then I knew that they were going to have another 
what they're calling protests on the Capitol grounds on Sunday at one o'clock. So I got up Sunday morning and since I can't go to church, I decided I would uh, go down to the go down and just sit sit and watch. So I I have a Texas hat and a Texas T-shirt and Texas socks, and I put all my Texas garb on, and I grab my 12-gauge shotgun and grab an ice chest, fill it up with Dr. Pepper, and put it all in my little red wagon. And so I go down to the go down to the Capitol, like I say, at a great parking spot. <laughs> and uh, but I got there and got all unloaded and pulled my little red wagon over to where I had planned to enter the Capitol grounds uh, back in the back by the Supreme court area, but they had a they had a, a yellow tape there. So I walked around the 15th street entrance and the, sure enough, they, there was a Texas ranger standing there. He said, Nope, Nope. Can't go in. We've closed down the Capitol grounds. And I went, well, is it going to be closed all day? Yep. Closed all day and probably all night. Okay. Uh, and then I got in a, then I got in a fight with my wife, <laughs> who I who was like, "Look, just stay out of this." And I, I keep saying, "But, but, honey, somebody's got to stand up." Well, that's the police's job. Well, there's there's not obviously there's not enough cops. Yeah. Obviously, well, there are well, not enough cops to protect pr- protect us and protect society and protect the things we love. Well, well, and that's the job. thing. And that's the thing. The police were stepping up there at the Capitol that day, and you go, "Okay, I'll let these folks do their job." But we've seen this around the country, where there are downtown areas of entire cities that have just been abandoned for days. And 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 it's it's to me, <laughs> I look at this and I say, you know, yeah, you have to step up. You have to step up and defend what's important to you. And and if you and I, if we the people don't start protecting, not I mean not just our rights, but the things the things that make America great. I mean I'm I'm watching this woman on on Facebook Live and she's in Philadelphia and she's going, oh my God, look they're tearing up our city, and I, this guy comes up and right right in front of this woman who is videotaping and he knocks out a window to some uppity uppity store and grabs a a nice jacket off of a of of a mannequin and just walks away and i'm thinking wow somebody's got to stop this and i say to myself in fact and i in fact i put another post up last night asking about and i got a bunch of I didn't realize how many lawyers I have on my friend in my friends. So I tagged all these lawyers. <laughs> I'll, 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 apologize, I'll, I'll, I'll apologize on on the on behalf of all of us. <laughs> well, so but I but so I posted last night. Okay, I need a le- I need a legal opinion here. So you know, I was in the army for twenty years. Okay, from seventy five to ninety five, I was in the United States Army, and I took an oath four or five times and it was the same oath and part of that oath was defend the constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic so i so i post on facebook last night so if i'm somewhere where looting is going on and i'm a concealed handgun carrier and if some if i see looting going on and somebody's breaking into a store okay 
and I shoot them. And the cops arrest me. And I get into court and I say to the judge or the jury, look, I took, a I took an oath to uphold the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And although I'm not in the Army anymore, I consider, I don't think that that oath that I took has an expiration date. So I think it's still my duty, not as ex-Army, but as just as a citizen to protect the Constitution. And that guy was, was looting, and yes, I shot him. <laughs> and then I said to my said to my lawyer for I said to all these people on Facebook. So, what what would happen? Okay, and and by the way, would any of you uh, represent me pro bono? <laughs> um, well, well, I think I think I think you would. But here's the thing about that is people are surprised at how our laws reflect people. People, a lot of people would scoff at that analogy and they say oh look you you know that's like a vigilanteism kind of thing or something and i think to be fair and you you recognize this you don't go looking for a fight with somebody you don't go looking to instigate something but but the laws reflect a right to defend property defend private property prevent crimes to protect yourself those are the laws of texas and people would be surprised at how much the laws protect people in defending their property their neighbor's property not necessarily sticking their nose in other people's business, but defending what's important to them in their communities, that people have a right to defend themselves. And, and there's no doubt that you have a right to defend yourself in your home, in your car, or at your state place of business. That all falls under the castle doctrine. Okay. Right. Now, now, let's go back to, let's say that Saturday or Sunday, I did get that they didn't close the Capitol, and I was standing there in front protecting the Ten, the Ten Commandment Memorial. Now, I mean, I I can't use I can't use the Castle Doctrine defense because that that doesn't that doesn't affect it. Okay, um, but I mean, but I but, but if I you're sitting there, I would have been doing the right thing. I would have been doing the right thing, but what I would what I've been doing the legal thing, and I I don't know. I all I know is that I keep watching this garbage on TV, thinking somebody has to do something, and when when do I become part of the part of the solution instead of just sitting back and yelling at the TV? That's right. Well, and and the reality is there are people who agree with you. I mean, I think the the majority of folks really agree that these institutions need to be defended. Folks need to be stepped up, stepping up. It, it, we as a self-governing society, uh, you know, have to step up and defend our own property, our own communities, our own institutions. And, and yeah, you know, look, you can't go out and just start mowing down protesters, but, uh, you know, if people attack you as you're defending something out there and you fear for your life, well, you're certainly entitled to defend it. And, uh, and anybody who says otherwise is really um, misguided. Well, but as you know, we live in Austin, Texas, and, <laughs> and I'm not so sure what the, what the DA, I, I don't know much. I don't know much about the DA since the, since we had the drunk DA that left. So, uh, yeah. well, it, it, what's, what's prudent and what's, what's right. And what's prudent is not always the same thing. Hey, we're running out of time, but uh, before you go, TJ, you had one piece of advice for folks. I think this is really important to hear. Yes. Uh, Tony, I, 
I noticed that last yesterday they started a new Facebook group on Facebook called Pray for Austin Police Department. And, you know, I, I pray every day. And when I, and during my prayers, I always pray, pray for my pray for the leaders of the country. And now I, I joined this Facebook group and I told them I'll, I'll tack on that. I, I will include the police department of not just Austin, but all over, all over the country. And I think that we all need to be doing a lot more praying for honesty, for wisdom and guidance from not only our leaders, but all of Americans that need to stand up and do what's right. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, it, it more prayer and, and more thoughtfulness on that. Very important. Appreciate uh, everything you do, TJ. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Kerry Cheshire, Vice President of Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. The 2020 election will be here before we know it, and with every election comes candidates that need to be vetted and tested before we can entrust them with our vote. At TFR, we take that vetting process seriously. Any candidate seeking our endorsement must first fill out a comprehensive questionnaire, then sit for an interview with our staff. We then seek input from each candidate's would-be constituents before making a decision. To find out more about our endorsement process and view which candidates have made the cut, visit EmpowerTexans.com slash endorsements. Well, you need to be keeping an eye on your local school district as even amongst this economic crisis, many are increasing taxes in order to raise administrator salaries. Uh, Jacob Asmussen touches on that in this week's commentary. As Texans across the state lose their jobs and struggle to provide for their families because of government-ordered coronavirus shutdowns, some school boards are discussing taking even more money from citizens this year to give raises to their six-figure salaried staff. With this week's Texas Scorecard Radio Commentary, I'm Jacob Asmussen. For example, let's take a look at Central Texas. Earlier this month, the Round Rock ISD Board of Trustees was one of the latest in the area to approve multi-million dollar salary increases for their staff, after postponing the decision for over a month. The district's $8.6 million raise will include some for teachers and librarians, general pay increases of $1,100, but the school board is giving much bigger bonuses to the district's six-figure salaried employees. For example, the maximum pay for Chief Financial Officer Kenneth Oddix will rise over $12,000 to a salary of nearly $209,000, while the max pay for the Chief of Schools and Innovation position will soar roughly $20,000 to a salary of over $216,000. Oddix was also the one who presented and recommended the pay increase and tax rate increase plan on April 2nd to school board trustees. Even more curiously, Audix and other administrative staff told school board members that the reason for the pay increase was to be competitive for the best teachers, even though earlier in the same meeting, Texas Association of School Board staff told the board that the Round Rock ISD's teacher pay was already either competitive or higher than local market rates. TASB also said the district's mid-range administration pay grades were already 6% above the local market. So in Round Rock's case, how is the school board going to pay for all the raises for administrators? Well, the board is considering charging citizens a higher tax bill next year. 
Audix recommended raising taxes, meaning the average Round Rock homeowner would pay $145 more in their school property tax bill next year. That's on top of the fact that the average district homeowner is already paying $1,200 more to Round Rock ISC than they did just six years ago. Round Rock ISC isn't the only Central Texas school district doing this, as nearly all area school boards are approving or proposing salary raises. Leander ISD, another suburb of Austin, narrowly passed a 2% lump sum payment bonus for all district employees, even though their finance department predicts this coming year's budget will have a deficit of as much as $42 million. Meanwhile, amid school boards giving their six-figure administrators raises and taking more money from citizens, many of the Texans paying for all of it continue to lose their income and are struggling to provide for their families. Texans concerned about their local school board's spending and upcoming tax bills can contact their board members before they finalize tax rates and budgets over the summer. With this week's Texas Scorecard Radio Commentary, I'm Jacob Asmus. Well, that's all I got for you this week. Uh, As always, if you're not subscribed uh, to the Texas Scorecard Radio podcast, uh, go check that out on your favorite podcasting platform. That's a way you can ensure you never miss an episode of Texas Scorecard Radio. Other than that, stay safe out there and stay engaged. We need you more than ever. Texas Scorecard Radio is brought to you each week as a public service from the Empower Texans Foundation and in partnership with the Lincoln Institute and this station. You can download podcasts from each program and learn more at empowertexans.com.